needs a cup of tea and a lie down after that massive weekend of sport. Black ferns, black caps, silver ferns, kiwis, Wellington, medals galore at the Paracycling World Champs and Lydia Ko. What a weekend. Kia ora New Zealand, I'm Zoe George and this is the podium. Sports news but not as you know it from Stuff. The Rugby World Cup quarter-finalists have been found. New Zealand finished top of their pool with a 57-0 win over Scotland, meaning they'll play Wales on Saturday, and then they'll play either France or Italy in the semi-final. Side note, it's the first time Italy has ever progressed to a World Cup quarter-final. That's men's or women's. England ran in 13 tries to keep South Africa scoreless and will now play Australia in the quarter-finals. The winner of that match will play either USA or Canada in the semis. But before we get to Joseph Pearson, who is in Whangarei, along with a record crowd of 16,500 to watch the Blackfins on Saturday, let's welcome Olympic gold medalist, seven-star and all-round good human being, Michaela Blyde. Michaela, I did think Scotland may have been able to get at least one try against us. I did think the same thing. I mean, they were in a literally in a position where they had nothing to lose because they'd obviously lost against uh, Wales and Australia in some really tight games. So I guess coming up against one of the best teams in the world, it was an opportunity for them to really uh, express themselves and to really try and just leave it out onto the field. Uh, but yeah, I guess the Black Ferns, they just know what exactly what they needed to do. And uh, the fact that they were able to win that game with Obviously, a donut at the end of the scoreboard is something that they'll be really proud of. But that just comes to show that even though the Black Ferns already made quarterfinals, they weren't going to take their foot off the pedal. Uh, mm. So we should be really proud of that as well. Who were some standout performers for you on Saturday? Oh, my God. I can't look past Aisha. Like, she is a machine. And the fact that she's obviously been out of the game for a few weeks due to a calf tear, she came onto the field looking Absolutely amazing, looking fit, fresh and fast. And then I have to shout out to my captain, Sarah Hidden. I don't know if you saw that try straight through the middle when Amy Duplessis celebrated with her as though they'd won the World Cup final. Um, <laughs> just seeing her flourish as well and just being able to play some amazing rugby is really cool to watch as well. Yeah, Aisha Letty Eager uh, is back from Carpentry and replaced Portia Woodman. Um, you know, the coaches mm. are going to have a tough go on who they're going to select for that back line after this weekend. I mean, if you look at your centres, you've got Teresa Fitzpatrick and you've got Amy Duplessis. And then you've got Brunt as well, who's playing incredible rugby, incredible attacking rugby. Then you've got your wingers. You've got Portia Woodman. You've got Renee uh, Whitcliffe. You've got Ruby Tui. Uh, you've got Renee Holmes as well, who can kind of fit into that fullback or winger position if need be. Now you've got Aisha back. Who's going to be the starting uh, starting backline? I have no idea. And I tell you what, I would hate to be the coaches when it comes to the finals footy because they could literally put on any 15 and they'll do the job really well. Joe chatted to Aisha after the game in a rather busy mixed media zone and started by asking whether she enjoyed the occasion. Oh, I definitely did. What a crowd to play against and what a definitely what a crowd to debut in as well. But gutted to tell my family to stay home. But yeah, it is what it is. And that pass was that the first pass you've thrown all season. <laughs> a lot of girls were saying they didn't expect me to give that pass, but you know, it's a team sport. Yeah, and how did you feel like physically? Out there? 
really good, strong and happy and a bit disappointed to come off. Yeah, definitely. Smithy said five more minutes in the second half. I was like, no, keep me on. But it is what it is. And yeah, I had fun out there. Competition for places in the back line next week. Definitely. Um, but regardless, I know whoever's on the field, they'll do the job. I think a lot of people looking from the outside in think um, we're fighting for spots, but actually whoever Smithy picks on the day up, we know they'll get the job done. Joe, great to have you on the show. Another player that had a great game uh, was Liana Mikeli too at number eight. Why did she stand out for you? Good morning, Zay from beautiful Northland. Liana's not played that much this year because she's had a bit of a knee injury, nothing major, but it's kept her out of the certainly the middle part of the season. Um, she is becoming a vital player for this pack because of her dominance in the tackle, her aggression and and power through contact as well, which is. Something she demonstrated a bit on last year's Northern Tour when she was, you know, thrown to the Lions somewhat in what was her first international appearance against two really good French and English teams. And she managed to do pretty well on that tour. And you can see the benefits now. Like, she was so good throughout periods of that Scotland game and just driving forward and getting over the gain line. It's boring rugby cliches, but it's what the Black Ferns will need. Yeah, we're going to need that physicality when we play France uh, in the semi-final and then maybe England in the final, aren't we? Definitely, yeah. Like We're still never going to know ultimately until they play France, which is what is likely for the semi-final next weekend. But Alana Bremner as well is coming back from a, a knee injury too, is also a really important player at blindside flanker and uh, Kennedy Simon is potentially coming back this weekend via, either via the bench or to play the first half. I'm not sure yet. Been cautious with her comeback from plantaris injury, which is like the back of your lower leg, I think, um, like close to the calf. But yeah, she she is likely to come back this weekend and she's another big physical presence who they will need in that those crunch games. Mm, well, Coach Wayne Smith said after the game that he was incredibly proud of the team uh, and that Michele Tu'u was part of the group that upped the physicality this week. Now, some of the ladies who led that physicality, you know, Amy Rule and Pip Love, I thought, up front, Myra's um, and Liana, Michele Tu'u, um, they really led that physicality. I thought it was outstanding. And, and everyone else, everyone else chimed in, you know, the backs were, backs were brilliant in the first half. So, um, pretty pleasing. Second half a little bit subdued, is that kind of inevitable as you say after? Yeah, it's, it's always difficult half time, you know, given messages to retain the physicality, try to be full ball, keep the ball, get low in the contact, those sorts of things, but it's always difficult after you know, 45 points. Um, so, but everyone has to stay focused, so we knew there was going to be a little drop. Um, but that's okay. I'm just saying earlier that the first touch Asia was a pass, which is like the first time she's passed all year, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's been working on it, as you can see, and uh, she's, she gives herself a bit of flack about it. So it's beautiful, beautiful to see. An incredible crowd at Whangarei, Joe. 16,500 people. It hasn't been that packed since the British and Irish Lions visit in 2017. What was it like to be there? Yeah, it was great. Just seeing the way that bank filled up, like it's a very New Zealand thing to have like grass banks at sports events. You see it a bit in Australia as well, the cricket too, but it was it was fantastic spectacle. It really was. And I think you could see again like the effect that had on the players. I think they channeled it better than what they did at Eden Park when they had a, a massive crowd behind them. And I'm not sure. I think we'll get a similar numbers this weekend. I understand the weather's going to be not great on Saturday night. There's a bad forecast coming from over 
the Tasman isn't there. Um, so the grass bank could be a bit muddy and wet, which will be a bit rough on the spectators, that's for sure. Oh, oh well, fingers crossed that it doesn't rain. What's your score prediction? Oh, I think the Blackfoons will, will hammer Wales by a much bigger score than what they did a couple of weeks ago. I really do. Wales are very lucky to be in the quarterfinals, certainly because of this stupid format where eight teams from 12 progress to the knockouts. And Wales relied on results to get on Sunday to get through. They were very poor against Australia last week and gave away 20 penalties and never, ever looked like winning that game at all. Um, Australia only uh, should have won that game by a lot more, but failed to convert several chances. And yeah, you just can't look beyond the Black Ferns in this game at all. Wales are lucky to be in the quarterfinal, definitely. And I think I think a lot of their press, there's quite a lot of their press here, We'll be grateful for the extra week in Northland before they go home. Thanks so much, Joe. Um, Michaela, what's your prediction for the scoreline this weekend against Wales? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it is quarterfinal rugby. I'm all about, um, you know, in sevens, we always say that finals footy is just completely different. Day two is a different day. Um, for these girls, they've been, they've been just building each week, you know, going into a fourth week of rugby, um, I wouldn't even say they'll be they'll be putting the foot down more on the pedal. Um, they're going to be firing. They're going to be wanting to really stamp their mark in finals footy rugby. I'm going to say Black Ferns are going to win by 60 points easily. Woo, okay then. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. I'm confident, yeah. I'm absolutely <laughs> confident they'll do the job. <laughs> um, also on Saturday night was the FIFA Women's Football World Cup draw in Auckland, which was super exciting. Do you follow the football? To be honest, I used to be a massive fan of it because before I transitioned to sevens, I did play a bit of soccer. So a couple of the girls that are in the football ferns, I've played against and I've trialled alongside um, for age grade footy, you know, under 17s, um, under 15s as well. So I do know a couple of them, not extremely personally, but I know their names. Um, Hopefully, you know, being a World Cup here in New Zealand for women's FIFA, it's incredible. That's amazing. And there's going to be some quality players from across the world that's going to come to New Zealand and experience our Kiwi culture. So that's exciting um, in itself. Uh, I did see the pool. I see that they've got some really tough teams ahead of them. But, you know, when it comes to a World Cup, every team is going to be tough no matter where they come from. Andrew Foreman was at the FIFA World Cup draw on Saturday night. Kia ora, Andrew. Hi, Zoe. Who will the football ferns play and how tough is our pool? Well, the football ferns have drawn Norway, the Philippines and Switzerland in Group A. Um, it's tougher than they might have liked, but it's not as tough as it could have been. Norway will be tough on the opening night, but they should beat the Philippines and it's likely it's going to come down to the match against Switzerland and Dunedin on July 30. Football Ferns coach uh, Jitka Kimkova has spent the whole New Zealand winter scouting Northern Hemisphere teams. She said it's an exciting competitive pull, but the Football Ferns have played Norway and the Philippines recently, which is helpful with their preparation. As Andrew said, their first game of the World Cup starting in July will be against Norway, and this is what she had to say. It's always uh, very important the first game in the tournament, how it goes. So we will be prepared to do well in that first one and hopefully we'll have a strong kickoff. And uh, from there, we'll, yeah, we will be prepared for every game, game by game in that tournament. But the first one is always like a critical one. Playing no 
Norway. And I remember when we played in Norway, we had really good performance. We performed really well. That was one of our best performances. So, uh, yeah, this is what we are going to focus on, how to perform to finally win the games in, in, in the World Cup. The gaps between the teams are not so big, you know. It's not about you have strong opposition or weak opposition. All those teams that are here and qualified here, they have the reason. They have a reason to be here. They have qualities. The women's football is growing, it's improving. So I will say the same. It's playable group. It will be competitive in the end of the day. Two best teams are going to advance and we will do everything to actually be in those two. And Andrew, Wellington has bagged one of the biggest games of the tournament, USA versus the Netherlands. How big a deal is that? Uh, it doesn't come much bigger. That's a rematch of the last final in 2019, which the US won. It's two massive teams. It's the biggest match in New Zealand by far. Um, it's going to be taking place at one o'clock on a Thursday, which is a bit of a bummer for locals. You'll have to take time off work probably if you want to get down to it at Sky Stadium. But there'll no doubt be heaps of travelling fans, especially from the US, and it will be quite the spectacle. So if you want to go ahead and book time off, I would suggest you do it soon. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. Um, and FIFA President Gianni Infantino has slammed broadcasters. Why is that? He's not happy with the amount of money his organisation's getting, which is a bit interesting because they are technically a not-for-profit mm -hmm. FIFA. Mm. But it's just, I think, a sign of how FIFA is trying to grow the Women's World Cup and it wants to see broadcasters you know, putting up bids that are more comparable to the Men's World Cup. He suggested that some of the bids he'd received, especially from Europe, were as low as 1% of what was being bid for the Men's Tournament. Um, this time around, it's the first time they've actually separated the two World Cups in terms of broadcast rights. So yeah, there's a bit of agitation going on there. Mm. Obviously, the other thing is this World Cup's taking place down under, so it's not at the best time for European broadcasters. So I'm sure we'll see a bit more of a tug-of-war in the weeks and months to come. Yes, interesting times ahead. And speaking of across the ditch, you also caught up with the netball on the weekend. It wasn't to be in the final Constellation Cup match between the Silver Ferns and Australia, with Australia just too strong, winning the match 57-53. What happened in that third quarter that cost the Silver Ferns so much? Australia just came storming out of the gates. You know, they were down five at half time. It was time to start getting excited on this side of the ditch. But... You know, Australia just came out and it was within minutes the game was equal and within minutes after that they were up by seven. They just brought a level of intensity that had been missing and the Silver Ferns were caught napping basically. Oh dear, and we just couldn't catch them up. And when we closed that gap in the in the fourth quarter, but we just couldn't catch them. No, and it's you know frustrating because that was a golden chance to get a free one win or rare win in Australia. If I dare say it, a proper Constellation Cup win given that that last series was played in Christchurch under COVID conditions. But the fact that they got so close in this series as they sort of look towards next year's World Cup with a young squad, yeah, I think it's a, a tour where it's more positives than negatives. And what's next for the Ferns? Fast Five's coming up. Yes, Fast Five in Christchurch next month. Um, bit of fun to end the year. And then in terms of the serious stuff, it'll be into the quad series probably in England in January, as long as that goes ahead as, as usual. Well, thanks so much, Andrew. Lots of netball ahead for us, so uh, let's keep chatting. And, uh, and yes, heaps to do with the FIFA Football World Cup as well. I look forward to covering that with you. Sounds good. Cheers, Zoe. 
And the Black Caps got off to an excellent start at the T20 World Cup with an emphatic 89-run win over hosts Australia. Rob Van Royen, is it true that we've not won a game in any format in Australia for 11 years? Yeah, that's, that's very true. And it was a drought-breaking win in a couple of ways. It was also their first win at the Sydney Cricket Ground since Brendan McCullum's debut, um, one-day <laughs> international debut, way back in 2002. So, yeah, heck of a drought-breaker. Wow, and I hear that the Aussie media aren't too impressed. No, not at all. I mean, it's been, there's been some pretty dramatic uh, lines coming out of their, um, <laughs> out of their journos in the last couple of days. I guess the reality is um, a, a loss in the Super 12 stage. It can be a, a big one because, look, only the top two in each of the six groups make it to the semis. So, you know, we're, we're already hearing must win, must win. They've got Sri Lanka on Wednesday, but that game against England on Friday, I mean, that's going to be really tasty. And who were the standouts for, for the Black Caps? And how about that catch by Glenn Phillips? My goodness, it looked like Superman. <laughs> yeah, let's start with that that catch. I mean, that was super stuff. I mean, and this is Glenn Phillips. I mean, I covered the Tri-Series here in Christchurch recently, and he, he put three or four catches down, including a couple of goobers. You know, he did not feel well, even though he's one of the the better fielders on their side. I mean, he even, after one of the matches, he, he quipped that there was a witch sort of uh, haunting the side in the field. Like, he wasn't the only one. They were quite poor in the field here in New Zealand, which is quite rare for the Black Caps, usually one of their real strengths. But mm. they were flawless in the field the other day. They were they were outstanding. Um, you know, that catch he took, I mean, he, tra- he chased at least 25 metres, hunted it down in the night sky, and, you know, full sprawled out and took it so yeah a real um blinder other players I mean Devin Conway he 92 off 58 I mean he's just in superb touch his ability to pick the gaps and keep that strike um strike rotating's key I mean Finn Allen he set the tone though I mean 42 from 16 and he really took it to the Aussie quicks and including Josh Hazelwood, the number one ranked 2020 bowler in the world. They were all shaking their head early doors. Our next game is against Afghanistan, right, this week? It shouldn't be too tough. Yeah, tomorrow night. I mean, yeah, it's, it shouldn't be, but I mean, I always use the word sort of fickle with 2020 cricket. You just never know, and so you just can't always write those teams off. I mean, we saw the West Indies lost to Scotland and Ireland and didn't even make the, the Super 12 <laughs> yeah. stage. So And Namibia beat Sri Lanka, who who did get through. Um, so, yeah, the, the Black Caps have Afghanistan tomorrow and then um, they play Sri Lanka on Saturday. Their, their, their biggie is uh, next Tuesday against England. That's going to be the real cracker. Oh, OK then. And in other news, uh, what's this about athletes boycotting some player of the match presentations? We're seeing it more and more in world sport, aren't we? Sort of players beliefs uh, not aligning with uh, sponsors and the ICC has announced a Saudi Arabian state-owned oil company Amoco are a global partner and with the player of the match awards Um, so yeah there's been some chat um, that players will not um, front some of those presentations I mean again money out of Saudi Arabia probably enough said you know we see it with the LIV golf don't we you know that's um, created a real stir with it money's coming from so yeah it's one to keep an eye out for if uh i mean the, i do say it sounds like they're not gonna if players opt like they don't want to be engaged with those so be it they're not going to be they're not going to be punished yeah i did see fika which is the um global union for international cricket players have backed the players if they choose not to attend those presentations Interesting stuff. Oh, well, bring on Afghanistan, Sri Lanka and England over the next week. We'll catch up with you again soon. Good as gold. Catch ya. In other sports news, the Kiwis continue their dominant Rugby League World Cup campaign with a 68-6 win over Jamaica, securing a spot in the quarterfinals against Ireland on Saturday. It was medals galore for Kiwi cyclists at the Paracycling Track World Championships in Paris. 
Two golds for Nicole Murray in the C5 scratch race in Omnium. World champs debutant Devin Briggs claims silver in both the C4 1000 metre time trial in the Omnium and bronze for Anna Taylor in the Omnium. It was Wellington! Woohoo! Sorry, sorry, Canterbury. In the MPC final with a 26 18 win over the Cantabs at Orange Theory Stadium in Heartland Rugby, Mead Cup South Canterbury retained their title with a 46 37 win over Whanganui. Wellington won 9-1 and Upper Heart Women 9-4 over Auckland to claim the softball national titles this weekend. The Black Sox team is due to be named this week in time for the World Cup on home soil next month. And we can't forget Lydia Ko. She won her first LPGA title in her birth country of South Korea. She did it with an emphatic last round at the Oak Valley Country Club on Sunday to claim the BMW Ladies Championship by four shots, her 18th career title. Ko, the world number five, fired a sizzling seven under final round to finish at 21 under for the tournament, beating the United States' Andrea Lee by four shots. Michaela Blythe, we've got the Rugby World Cup on right now, but we've had the Cricket World Cup earlier in the year, and we've got the White Ferns Tour happening soon. We're hosting Fast Five Netball in November and the International Work Group for Women in Sport. Then the FIFA Football World Cup. What does having all of these things on home soil mean for you? I mean, from a personal perspective, um, it's just amazing to be able to have these Women World Cups being able to be held in New Zealand. Uh, to put women's sport on the map and to show that we are professional athletes and we're not just the shadows of men's sport. So that's something that we have to be really proud of. Uh, And then also, you know, any home World Cup just absolutely lifts the adrenaline, gives the home team a little bit more of a purpose. They want to perform in front of their friends and family and their country, uh, which is something that we're really proud of doing as well. So to be able to have all these consecutive sporting events in in quite a close-knit year, Uh, is something that we have to be really excited about. And it's just about supporting each of those teams, whether it is as simple as putting an Insta story on your Instagram or turning on the TV and paying for a Spark or Sky Sports subscription to be able to watch them play. Uh, Just to be able to support our women, to be able to showcase their talent um, is something that they are really looking forward to doing. So, yeah, we just got to get behind each of the sports and just support them massively like, you know, all Kiwis do really well. Mm, and and do you think that this will contribute to more girls and boys picking up a rugby ball or a football or a cricket bat? Or do you think that there is an opportunity there for us to grow our player base? Absolutely. And I think it's a great opportunity to get those sports um, that aren't usually on TV as much um, and. I guess you could say in the time zone of New Zealand, you know, you see all of those, um, all of our sports potentially play overseas when they play in the middle of the night in New Zealand. And so all these young girls and boys now have more an opportunity to be able to witness our um, our New Zealand's, our New Zealand athletes compete at a time that they could watch. And so, yeah, we're going to have young girls and boys see our cricket players, our soccer players and our rugby players uh, perform at home. And They'll be inspired by that. They'll see the the black jersey. They'll see the silver fern on their on their players' chest, 
and they'll want to be inspired to do exactly what they're doing on TV. So, yeah, I see that there's going to be more of a player's base coming through. There's going to be more numbers signing up at the, you know, the local rugby club or the local cricket club, and they'll be wanting to be um, the next New Zealand athlete superstars. One of the names to keep an eye out for during the FIFA Football World Cup is football fern midfielder Betsy Hassett. She's just returned from living in Iceland to play for the football ferns in her fourth World Cup and for the Phoenix women who start back up in November. I asked her, what does she think about having the World Cup on home soil? Yeah, it's so cool for the younger kids to look up to us, to be right there in the game. They can come and watch the, some of the best players in the world. So I think that's super exciting for women's football in New Zealand. And um, it's going to be so cool to have have our friends and family and hopefully full stadiums playing in our home country. <laughs> uh, and this is the whole thing, right? You can't be it if you can't see it. It's such a tagline for women's sport, but now we're seeing all this women's sport. So are you hoping that it will leave a lasting legacy? Yes. Um, I'm hoping, yeah, lots of young girls will be inspired to play football and keep the legacy going for us football fans. And um, yeah, it's just so awesome that this is, Finally, it's it's happened in my lifetime. Did you ever think it was going to happen? No, not at all. So, I mean, yeah, this is the best sporting event that I could have. So um, I'm super excited and stoked. But growing up, did you ever get to see the football ferns play? You know, could you see people like you playing the games on TV or anything like that? No, no. Uh, not really. Uh, I got into it at quite a young age, but I i mean, I knew some of the players playing in, in high school with them and stuff. Um, but that's all I really could see. It wasn't really on TV and stuff back then. So it's really developing quickly and so cool to see. Yeah, well, the last Football World Cup had more than a billion viewers. You know, that's billion with a B. It's, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so hopefully we can get a lot of fans behind us. And that's it for the podium. Michaela Blyde, thanks for being with us today. Always lovely to chat. Any final words? I will just personally say, um, for anyone that's listening, thank you so much for any bit of support that you've given to the women's rugby game, whether it was, you know, purchasing a Spark Sports subscription to watch them on TV, buying a ticket to go and watch them live at the stadium, um, or posting about it on your Instagram, all of that helps massively. Um, so thank you, thank you so much for supporting women's rugby the way that you have. Um, let's bring it home. Let's bring these girls home to the final um, and get behind them as much as we can so they can feel the love and the mana that we are giving them to be able to hopefully get through to the final and bring home that World Cup. Woohoo! Bring it on! Thanks to Michaela and all my guests, producer John O'Williams and Philippa Tolley, and audio editor Connor Scott, and thank you for listening. You can now get in touch with us via email, thepodium at stuff.co.nz. I'm Zoe George, and we'll see you Friday. Until then, namihi, go well. Today on League of Our Own, we chat with our feline friend, West Tiger and soon-to-be Panther, Isaiah Papali'i, see what I did there, like Larry? Yeah. Like the Warriors are 12 matches down with 12 to go. We talk their season to date, and if they could still land a final spot, we preview round 14 with the Wars and Townsville and a whole host of massive matches, including the Bronx and the Sharks. And we are officially in the state of origin window. It's an Australian representative competition, <laughs> yet Kiwis <laughs> love this thing. 
League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals.